Incarnation, airing live on the United Public Radio Network on 105.3 FM in New Orleans. This show's entrance has been edited, produced, and directed by Gwen Clapper from Perfect Trust Productions, LLC. You can find us at perfecttrustproductions.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Monday night's segment of Horsefly Chronicles Radio with myself, Julia Syracusa, and Phil Syracusa. We're broadcasting live from the International Public Radio and the United Paranormal Radio Network on 105.3 FM from New Orleans. This evening's show is fully sponsored by Carnation, so we want to thank them for their sponsorship. We love them. You'll have to do a few things in order to participate. Go over to the YouTube channel, UFO Paranormal Radio or International Public Radio. You can also go into all of the Facebook stations, UFO Paranormal Radio Network, UFO Undercover with Joe Montaldo, News on the Flip Side, Twitch, SoundCloud, and Podbeam. And also go over to our group, Horselight Chronicles Radio. Get in there if you're not. And if you have any questions for our guests, please ask. Um, tonight, guys, we have another amazing guest. So please welcome to the show, Donald Molnar, MD. He is a practicing internal medicine hospital-based physician who is also interested in the existence of the afterlife, spirits, and ghosts. He started investigating for spirits and ghosts in 2012, and in, in 2018, he launched Haunted MD, which allows him to combine paranormal investigating with the science of being a physician. All along with paranormal investigating, he's interested in near-death experiences. Mm. He combines his experience of being a doctor, a scientist, and a paranormal researcher to help clients understand any phenomena that may be occurring in the, any location. So please let's welcome <clears throat> him to the show. Welcome. Yay. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thanks awesome. for coming on. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Great show. You have so much, very talented. You're, you're a doctor. Um, what, take us to the beginning of your story. Um, after, after you became a doctor, what really drove you into the research of the paranormal um, to where you are today? Well, I think it kind of goes even back, it goes back a little bit farther. Um, you know, all my all my life, I had kind of strange things happen since I was a kid. Um, some of my earliest memories have been like, you know, maybe you know, seeing strange things, hearing different things, and I kind of grew up um, in a household. My mom and dad were pretty open to the idea of of uh, paranormal things. Uh, my mom was was uh, was more like spirit was more spiritual, like in the you know religion, angels and heaven, and my dad was more of your kind of Bigfoot guy and UFOs and, and ghosts. And so we always had like an open forum growing up from the time I was a kid through childhood, teenager years. And even, it just seems like we're kind of throughout my whole life. I've just had strange experiences happening and um, never really 
realized you can investigate until I started seeing the shows. But by that point, I was a physician too. I've always, as far as the physician part, I always wanted to kind of be a doctor since, since I was a kid too. Um, so, but I didn't really, I didn't really appreciate you can investigate until I started seeing like Ghost Hunters was the first show I saw like in the early 2000s. And then there was Ghost Adventures and all those different shows. And then I still didn't really get into it too much as far as investigating, although I was really interested in watching the shows all the time. And then I moved from Ohio to Charlottesville. I'm originally from Ohio. And now I live in Charlottesville, Virginia. And um, I ended up working in a town close to Charlottesville called Fishersville. And uh, there was a local team called Twisted Paranormal Society. And they were looking for, for new people. And I joined them. And that's kind of how I started investigating with the idea of trying to make sense out of the experiences I had. I'm like, you know, I've had all these weird kind of spooky things. I'm like, what exactly is it? And is it is it really spooky? Because, you know, I've had the, I had them happen all my life and just kind of assumed they were spooky, but I, it may, I wanted to kind of learn more about it. And, and like, you know, am I really experiencing ghost stuff? And so that's why I, I got into investigating with Twisted Paranormal and then with them for a while. And then, like you mentioned, I, I ended up doing the Haunted MD thing. But the initial reason to kind of get into it was try to make sense out of, mm-hmm. out of um, what I had experienced before and see, is this stuff real? And how can I sort out, you know, what's what? And then after um, kind of branching off and doing my Haunted MD thing, um, I kind of went solo and worked with other teams. That's when I kind of branched more into realizing there's a whole bunch of stuff besides ghost hunting, like the, you know, the parapsychology stuff, children with previ- previous lives, near-death experiences, you know, trying to learn, understand more about psychic abilities and kind of the history and the, and the, and the big names and parapsychology and along with the ghost hunting. So, so I've been trying to, as doing my haunted MD thing now as a physician and a paranormal investigator, trying to, to bring all those things together i think i'm still kind of finding my way as far as you know what direction to go as far as how science-based to be versus how you know you know maybe you know using more of the gadgets and that kind of thing so so that's kind of in a nutshell <laughs> yeah i mean it always it always starts out when we're a kid too when we're children yes then, yes you know and it's good that you had parents that were really open to it yeah, in fact, even nowadays, we still, my, uh, most of my family, most of my, like my mom and my, I have two sisters, they live in Ohio still. And then, you know, I have my, my, my personal family down here with me and my girlfriend and all that and, and our kids. But, um, but yeah, even nowadays, we still talk about, hey, do you have any weird experiences? You know, and then uh, probably about a month ago, so I was talking, or a month ago, I was talking to my mom and I'm like, mom, you remember this occurrence? You remember that occurrence? She's like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, because it's still, a lot of it's still fresh in her mind you know, and all those kind of things. I can tell you some of those stories if you want to later, or if you want to hear about those, but, but yeah, so my mom remembers, you know, and she also had her experiences and all those things. And then my dad's passed away. He died in uh, 94 from a heart attack um, and all that kind of thing. But, you know, he also, he was heavy into it because we often would sit around, even as a teenager or a child, we sit around and think and talk about, you know, experiences we had. And sometimes it would be interesting because my dad would experience things that I was experiencing, but we would experience them independently you know, then we compare notes and they'd be like, wait a minute, that happened wow. to me. And my dad'd be like, well, that happened to me. And, you know, so there was all this kind of like, you know, beyond coincidence kind of things going on, you know, and it, I just, and then, and then, you know, the, the, the name haunted MD is kind of based on the idea that not that I'm necessarily haunted, but it's the, I, the fact that I feel like wherever I go, I have paranormal occurrences. In fact, mm-hmm. in this townhouse I'm in right now, we, me and my girlfriend think we got it. We got something here because, we have different activities here and it's, you know, so I don't know. So 
you know, I don't know if it's me. I don't know if it's every location has activity and I'm just picking up on it or what the deal is. So I think that it's I think you're probably well, a lighthouse too. I mean, yeah. you, you, you know, if you could yeah. see all that. What kind of activity happens where you live that you think might be paranormal? So right now it's it's pretty wild. Um, we, I've seen shadows. We've heard uh, we've heard different noises. Like in fact, even last night when I was sleeping, I was so this is the ground floor. There's three floors. So third floor up. I kept thinking like it kept. I went to bed a little later than my girlfriend, and it, it sounded like somebody had walked in her bedroom and kind of you know came to the door, came by the bedroom door and stopped. Um, I've actually I don't I really haven't told people this before, but a couple of times I felt like I got touched while I was sleeping. Mm-hmm. And you got you got to understand I'm. I'm not, I don't jump on a bed. I'm skeptical. Right. So I, I always try to like, you know, find an explanation, but a couple of times I felt like something smacked me in my head while I was sleeping and I woke up, I'm like, what the hell am I, you know, I was by myself at that time. My girlfriend, and I went to work. So yeah. So weird things like that. Um, we think every now and then we hear a lady's voice up on the, the floor above me. Um, things like that. Yeah. Do you see the shadows by the corner of the eye or Face value. More of the corny eye, yeah. More like, uh, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, I see them too, the corner of the eye, because uh, that's the way they appear. Then when you turn around and look, you don't see it. But if you turn the other way, it's amazing. We were just talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys have activity in your place, or? Well, this is the whole. We're in the yeah. Horsefly Chronicles home. That's how the radio show got branded. This is a haunted house. Yeah. Oh. It's a noted haunted house in Eastern Pennsylvania. We didn't know. You know, it's, it's a fairly new house built in 96, but yeah. it's one of the most haunted houses around. And uh, we learned a lot, like you're talking about it. And when you talk about those shadows and something touching you, that's what I look for and what people are saying. And those are the signs, you know. And, and yeah. sometimes yeah. there can be a loved one that crossed over yeah, trying to get your attention. And then if it correlates to like a song that you wake up the next day or Hey, I remember that song. It reminded me of Uncle So and So who passed yeah. away. You, you kind of put the two together like a puzzle because um, right. they try to give you signs. And then there's, of course, there's other things out there that could be, you know, not so friendly. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, I think most is the communication between both sides from our experience. Right. And the way we try to investigate and say, is there another side? Well, I could tell you straight out there is. And there is no bigger skeptic than me. I mean, I've, I I try to debunk everything, but when you live it, you yeah. learn. And then you I agree. Like, and that's that's I how I feel. That's how I feel. I'm skeptical too, but I believe also, and it is, it is a whole different thing when you have experiences because a lot of folks I know are skeptical haven't really had like a big experience. But when you actually have the experiences and things like that, no matter if you're a scientist or not, you I mean. You can't explain away things, you know. <laughs> There's stuff happening, and and you know you're not crazy. You know you're like this stuff is real that's happening. And so look, I mean, you're a medical doctor. You're you know, you're in a high profession. You're well respected, high credibility, and and I like that because you you know along other walks of life, you're coming forward like we invest. You know, we have mm-hmm. celebrities on. You said, hey, this is real. It's real, and it is. Yeah, it is real. Are we ever going to, science is never going to, I don't think science is going to, there's just too, they're too far away. Science and the supernatural, you know, it becomes up to a belief system. Do you believe it or you don't? Yeah. Did you experience it or you did it? Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of like, and, and for me, what well, you're telling us, you're like a lighthouse. My wife is right. You're, it seems like 
certain people, lighthouses, will have these experiences. Yeah. And yeah I've heard that too, that when spirits know they can interact with you, they tend to be drawn, they tend to draw or mm -hmm. attracted to you. Well, here's another interesting experience. So I was walking into work today and this is, I'm just reporting on what happened. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm just telling you what happened. So I'm walking into work and I said, you know, where I work at the hospitals is in the middle of the city and it's like a long walk to kind of get, to, it's probably like 15 minutes to get from the parking deck to where I need to be in the building. And, but there's a part of it's outside. So I'm walking, you know, on the outside part to get in the buildings. And I could have swore somebody was walking behind me. And I'm, I've, I've realized that I've, I've become a slow walker and that's a whole other story. Cause what I, the reason why I tell you that is I often can hear the law, the fast walkers come out behind me. So I try to get out of the way a little bit. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to run in the work. So if you're walking fast and I'm in your way, I'm just going to slide out of the way. So, so I'm a slow walker. So I, I, I'm walking into work, you know, it's a little bit dark out still like six 30 morning. And I, I hear footsteps like ding, ding, ding. Like, I, like it sounded like a fast walker coming <laughs> up behind me. So I was like, well, I'm just going to slide. I'll slide over and go in the door before me. And I even heard like, you know, when somebody steps on a leaf, you know, like mm -hmm. I heard like, cause there was leaves on the ground and I'm thinking like, okay, this person's right behind me. So I'm just going to get out of the way because I don't, I'm not going to rush. And I look back and there was nobody there. I'm almost 99% certain that I was almost 99% certain that there was going to be somebody behind me that needed to get around me. That's, and then I looked and there was nobody there. So that's, that's the kind of stuff that happens, you know? So. Wow. That would actually really scare me. That would scare me. That actually, I jumped to, I actually, I don't get scared, but actually it was more just like, what? I yeah. behind me. It was more like uh, surprising than like scary, but then I'm like, well, <laughs> it's whatever it is, you know, because, you know, it's on the hospital campus. So who knows, you know, there's all kinds of activity around the hospital campus and all that. So, and, and you know, you, you um, have an interest in near death experiences and then people that have crossed over. This is where the two meet the paranormal, the ghost, and those have crossed over and came back. Um, they talk about, they can see us. They can hear us. Mm -hmm. yes. And it's as if yeah. they walk out of their body. They leave the right. body. The body's the shell. They leave it and they know what's going on on a 360 view of the conscious mind, right? Because the physical still, whatever, whatever happened to the physical at that point. And right. then when you think about that, and they could say, well, in the hospital, I seen this on this on the ceiling. Yeah. I seen someone in another room doing this and mom crying. In the waiting room now, um, these experiences are credible. They're real, and when you think about that, and then you, you know, talk about ghosts and yeah. the other side. Well, we can communicate. Mm -hmm. Again, it's, it's it's not that easy, but there is a communication there because they're all saying it. I can see you. I can hear you. Yeah, yeah. I can feel your emotions, yeah. and right. we're trying to reach a across that veil, right? Um, yes, yes. And it's the two worlds trying to meet together. The right. spirit world that when you cross over on a near-death experience, or even people who've been in comas, they, their stories, like they've been places in, in a coma, and they wake up six months later. And okay. then yeah. as investigators, like my wife and I and, and yourself, we, we try to research the other side. It's just trying to get through to them because they're already getting through to us yeah. and you're trying to meet. Yeah. And I, I think through the technology that's coming out, the clearest day is the EVPs that, you know, on digital. Yeah. Recording. You can't debunk that. 
we could debunk a lot of things in paranormal, say, well, yeah. this made this device go off for radio frequencies. Mm -hmm. But the truth is you can't debunk a response on a recorder, that a digital a, recorder. When you're asking evidence. a certain question. Yes. Um, and that to me is credible evidence. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. When people ask me, Mike, my best, best piece, you know, the, the best evidence or the best tool or whatever, some kind of recorder, like a digital recorder. I use these body cams I wear now that do, you know, audio and video. But yeah, I agree that 100% that for me, EVPs, when something's answering a question, I mean, it's what are the chances of that randomly coming across some frequency at the exact same time you ask questions? So, you know, I know, you know, I know all the arguments for it, but to me, I agree with you. That's, and you can play that. I mean, that's something you can play back for people. In fact, today at work, I was talking with some people that I work with about ghost stuff and I played a few EVPs and they were just blown away because they were, and they were, and they were good ones too, you know, like class A kind of stuff. So, you know, it's like, I agree that EVP is some of the strongest evidence. And for me, I think as a science-based guy, if I wasn't convinced, that would convince me. And, you know, mm -hmm. and, I, and I could play that stuff for my doctor friends and all that, but yeah, EVPs and then, with the near-death experiences, you're right. A lot of people are like, well, there's no evidence. Nobody, no evidence for paranormal mm -hmm. or, the, or souls or consciousness. It's like, but there is. You know, if you look at all the parapsychology research, even, you know, UVA, Vision of Perceptual Studies, there's all around the world, there's, you know, studies that have been done and ongoing about near-death experiences. And something happens, you know, where people, you know, die and then they come back. But they're, you know, they're outside their bodies and they have these experiences. And you're right. They have... They have things you can check. You know, they see where the doctor, one doctor put something in a drawer or they see something outside that they didn't know, they never would have known was at the nurse's station. Or you're right, they see their family members and they know what they were talking about. So there's stuff like that that you, you can't, you can't just say, well, it's because of the dying brain or it was because of medicines. I mean, there's stuff you can verify. The other thing that's really powerful that argues for survival of the soul and consciousness is children with previous lives you know, reincarnation. And these kids have stories that you can go verify yep. locations and neighbors and information that these kids should not know. You know, little kids are telling you, you know, these stories and you can go back and verify. So it's like, there is evidence. Yeah. There is scientific studies and evidence for the existence of our consciousness or our body, our soul surviving. So, you know, it always, I always laugh when somebody says, well, there is no evidence. It's like, well, yeah. there is, you just got to look in the right place, you know, and you're right. And as, mm -hmm. and as investigators, we're coming at it a different way. So the academic folks are doing the near death and the, the reincarnation and all that stuff. And then we're coming at it from looking for, you know, the, the soul or the consciousness out in the environment. So, and it is kind of sad to me that there seems to be a barrier between ghost hunters and, and, the, and the parapsychologists, it, 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 you know, there's a, both camps have so much information that it would be great to combine that together because we're all looking for the same thing, just a little bit differently, you know, and so. Exactly, exactly. I've always believed that, you know, ghost in, investigating and, and, and paranormal, this should be respected more and it should be a thing with this research centers uh, because it yeah. does exist. Yeah. And, um, I would love to see that one day where it's taken that serious, where they send out people who are paid as real jobs and go out and investigate locations to bring back evidence because then, you know, that helps in a lot of different ways. It just doesn't help with the spook factor or the entertainment factor. It helps a lot mm -hmm. of different areas and avenues. It helps mental 
disabilities because you know we look at cases where people get oppressed and maybe possessed and then they go out and do these atrocious things to other people um, and then we find out we go back to the history of them and they're in these yeah. locations that were affected and you know a regular court of law could throw it out and say it's just psychosomatic power of thought or they were on their intoxicated but then if there's real investigations going on and proof that hey there's influence of another side that can oppress and possess a person to do these things. And um, I, I think I would like to have it respected more in that fashion because mm -hmm. you're also helping people learn. Um, you know, there's just too much evidence out there to say it's not real, it doesn't exist. And right. if you don't want to believe, that's fine, but have an open mind to the possibilities yeah. of what we're dealing with in the supernatural. And well, it, it I'm does, a firm believer in it. it. Well, it does make sense. Kind of what you're getting at is kind of having a almost like a centralized paranormal like group or society. Like you know, with parapsychology, there's different like uh, like the SPR, um, you know, Society for Psychical Re Psychical Research, and that it would be good for the ghost investigators to have you know, some kind of central database where you could contribute to that database and have like a, you know, regular, you know, like a regular society for everybody instead of all these little group teams having all their little evidence. It'd be cool to be able to contribute to one or two, you know, yeah. organizations where you kept set, kept a centralized data and kind of write your findings. I had a good friend of mine um, that I'm working with now. His name is Brandon Masulo. He's a parapsychology guy. And we did this project up at Hinsdale, but we, I was talking to him and I kind of feel bad because even though I'm a science guy, I kind of still enjoy working with the gadgets, you know, the K2s and things like that. And I said, I, you know, I feel like that's kind of frowned upon by scientists and, you know, versus using, we were at Hinsdale at this for this particular thing we're doing, we're using more kind of scientific grade stuff and equipment. And, and he said to me, he goes, it doesn't really, he goes, we're, we're doing the same thing. He goes, right. He goes, it just, it just, mat it just, we're going about a different way, but it just matters what you do with the information you get. You know, like, we, were, you know, parapsychology guys are collecting the data and organizing it and putting it in a journal article or something, you know, for I think for researchers, you know, it kind of depends what we do. We go out and do these really cool investigations, but we really don't have a way to kind of write it up or present it to, you know, to the to the world kind of thing. It's kind of it just becomes our our thing on our Facebook page or whatever, you know, it's like we almost we almost need like a ghost hunter uh, society or something that can you could present to and things like that. But yeah. I would love to see that one day because I think then the field would be more respected. And I think that the people would have to get paid as workers. And I say that because you yeah. don't just want someone who doesn't not take it serious as like, yeah. well, I'm tired. I guess I'll do it as a hobby. No, I'm talking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as people have an interest, and, but it should be more respected yeah. and let's get the data. Let's get the information. Right. Right. And let's put it into a centralized station and let's break it down on how it happens, why it happens and what triggers things off right. to um, have paranormal phenomenon act up in certain mm -hmm. locations as poltergeist or um, apparitions and things to that nature. I would like to see that one day because, like I said, there's a lot of evidence proving the fact that it, it's real and it exists, but it's not respected and the world's eye of, you know, you, you're you a doctor, right? And I'm sure you talk to other doctors and some like, oh, come on. There's, mm -hmm. Some could be atheists. There's no such thing. There is no afterlife. And this is it. And right. then you have others who say, no, there is an afterlife. 
right? Uh, which I'm a firm believer in. So the only way to really get there is is get the evidence from the most credible people. Yes. Who are taught and go out there and do the research and come back with it. And um, maybe one day, you know, going forward, that would happen. Yeah, it's a good idea. And then the, the thing, too, is, you know, you, you get all that evidence together, then what do you do? You got to hopefully build on that, on the experiences and try to move it forward. Like, you know, like, you know, you, you know, you know, using this method, I get the best EVPs. And then you try to build on those techniques and stuff like that. So, yeah, because I know you myself, you know, I, you know, I've been investigating on my own since 2018. I got a ton of evidence, but it just sits on my computer, right? I put it on my Facebook page or you on YouTube or whatever, but it's eventually it just sits. It's like, yeah, it's good stuff that probably should be, you know, you know, somewhere where you can build on it and keep, you know what I mean? And, and I know so many teams too, and you guys probably know people too, they have all this credible evidence of just, yeah. if you could put it together and figure out how to move, what do you do next to build on what you got? And so, yeah, anyways, yeah, maybe someday. <laughs> But that's good. Keep collecting the evidence, mm -hmm. that's data, that's research, that's knowledge, and then you tell other people, teach other people who have an open mind that this does exist, and and and, and it helps a lot of different areas of life itself. Yeah, it helps the person that's in the hospital bed with tears, thinking they're not going to see the next day, thinking yeah. it's over completely, and then you have the research and data with people who've crossed over and came back, and you enlighten them with information. It helps a lot of different avenues to the to the person, the consciousness of us. And I believe that that can help uh, actually help humanity in a lot of different areas. Yeah. Well, does and it even actually... people with mental disabilities, let's see people with schizophrenia, people who hear voices and then they're being put into these mental institutions. Maybe some of them, maybe some there's a handful yeah. who are having encounters with the other side. They have yeah, there's really theories good. on that too. Yeah, that, you know what? That either that you know people having like you're saying the people that are that appear to be mentally ill are actually possessed, and vice versa. I've heard I don't know if you guys have heard this, but people that are mentally ill tend to be targets for for paranormal forces. I don't know, you know, I haven't done a lot of research on that or know if that's how true that is. But yeah, it kind of goes both ways. Either you could be possessed, or maybe you're maybe you're a target because of their mental illness. So, have you guys heard that that kind of theory? Yeah. Or? Most definitely, yeah. and that is true, and we do believe it. Yeah, that a person with mental disabilities can become more oppressed and pos possibly well, because they go after the the weakest. They go link. after someone who's vulnerable. Yeah. So let's just take a hypothetical. You have a family moving into a haunted location. They're toxic. They're on drugs and alcohol all day long. Mm -hmm. They're vulnerable to the other side, to negative thoughts, negative yeah. feelings, and they're, and they're pulling in that negative energy of whatever's there in that location and they become part of it. Right. And then they go out and do yeah, things thanks. that, mm -hmm. you know, are unspeakable. And I always talk about the Amityville case because uh, like I look at Ron DeFeo, Amityville, or even Charles Manson, you look mm -hmm. at these cases and you say, well, they influenced to do such these, these, these acts of crime. In my, in my knowledge of paranormal, I believe that there's a lot that points to, once you're opened up into already doing these things, the other side knows you're an easy target mm -hmm. and they can influence you to take the lives of others. It's interesting. Yeah. Well, you do wonder how people, what pushes people to finally do those terrible things, you know, yeah. it's and it's, it's, you know, it's not everybody. I mean, we have horrible people, in of this course. World, but there there's gotta be, yeah, there's, I'm sure there's cases like that. You know, I have a question. 
Sure. Do, have you ever seen like someone pass away in front of you when you're a doctor? Have you ever felt the presence of like their spirit maybe like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. There's been a couple oh, of wow. things. So yeah, so one of the, so I didn't talk about this, but so I, I do internal medicine. Internal medicine is like adult from age 18 to the people time people pass away. So in my career, I've, you know, one of the things I've had to do is, you know, we eventually people, eventually people get to a point where you can't fix them and you talk to the families, you talk to them about making them comfortable and kind of letting them pass away and making sure they're not suffering at the time. So I've probably done more to that than I realized. And that's what, if, if you, if you see any of my stuff on Facebook, or whatever I talk about, sometimes I feel like I'm on the threshold of this world and the afterworld because yeah, kind of helping people not suffer as they're, as they're passing and then they pass and then they're, you know, they're on their way to the, to the other world. So yeah, it's uh, unfortunately you got to, I've had to do a lot of that stuff. And um, so what a couple of stories I share, one story is where we actually, we coded a guy and got him back. And it was, a, it was an interesting experience. So as a doctors, when somebody codes, you know, their heart stops and they stop breathing and you got to do CPR and all this other stuff. But as a physician, you're kind of like the, the team leader. So you stand at the foot of the bed and you're kind of telling, you know, you know, somebody to do medicine, somebody to do the CPR, somebody to manage the, the breathing and, and somebody to kind of keep track of the timing and all that kind of stuff. Cause you want to, when you're coding, you usually don't want to go like more than the, if you're not getting somebody back within like 30, 40 minutes, you're probably not going to get them back. So mm -hmm. anyways, I, I was one of, uh, one of my patients that coded and we were, we were doing CPR and all those things. And I had my back to the wall and there wasn't any vents above me and, you know, nothing to blow air and stuff like that. And we had been working about 10 minutes on this guy. And um, all suddenly I felt this rush of energy kind of come from around me and kind of through me. It was like a static kind of wind, you know, it was kind of subtle, but you could feel it. And I felt this kind of breeze just kind of run through me and around me towards the patient and into the patient or towards the patient. And I'm guessing into the patient because right at that time we got the pulse back and then he, the patient slowly wow. gained consciousness so all I can think about is when you hear people talk about near-death experiences is when they have to go back in their bodies, either voluntarily or if they're told to go back in their bodies, they say there's a rush, like they pop back in their bodies. And that's all I could think of was, you know, in my skeptical mind now, I'm thinking like that this, this had to be this guy's soul rushing back <laughs> into his body because just the timing and the coincidence, nobody was moving, you know, around me to cause a breeze. You know, I was kind of, at the foot of the bed, people were on my right, people on my left working in and on the walls behind me. So there wasn't like a breeze or something. And it, and it didn't come across me. It came through me from the wall. So it made me think that it was this guy's soul. And so, yeah, so I don't know. Unfortunately, I didn't get to talk to him because after we got him back, we ended up sending him over to the to the main hospital. And they, you know, I never, I never did talk to him. He lived, but I never got to really get to talk to him to say, hey, yeah. what, did you, what happened? So, yeah, that wow. was one instance. And then there was uh, other instances where people have passed away. I've been in the room with the family because usually, you know, you try to get the families in there when they're going to pass and if you can. And and uh, there was a few times where right as a person died, I didn't necessarily see anything, but you could kind of kind of felt that breeze sensation again. Right. That static electricity breeze. And one particular time where we had like probably five family members in the room and the person that passed and uh, just kind of I kind of just watched and you could kind of see people kind of do like, you know, they kind of like we're acknowledging it, but trying not to acknowledge it. So yeah, that, you know, that kind of, uh, so you do kind of, you kind of feel that and, you know, that is some, sometime down the road, I talk about trying to do some kind of some better research of see if I can get permission to be present when people die and maybe do a little more formal 
kind of study about what happens to the energy in the room and things like that. But I'm still still got to figure out how to make that happen. Yeah. But yes, but yeah, I've been uh, been present a lot of times. And the thing the thing when somebody dies to me that always amazes me is that I mean I know their heart stopped and they're not breathing anymore, but you can just tell that something else is gone. You know, there's this just an energy, you know, a force, if you will. It's just all of a sudden they're their shell, you know, where just, you know, a minute ago they weren't, you know, so, you know, it's just something that makes always makes you think about, you know, wow. what, is it, what is it about, what is it that now that person looks like just an empty shell, you know, so. You know, that's, that's fascinating. Um, do they ever say like when they're ready to cross over, you ever hear them say that they're seeing other people in the room? Like I see this one and. So yeah, so that's actually yeah. So that's a uh, deathbed visions. People have those a lot. So um, I haven't seen it too much, but I've seen it a few times. Um, one lady, this older lady, we had made her comfort care, and she didn't have any family, so we kept checking in on her. And I went in the room to check, and she was looking up. And this is before I was really into the paranormal like I am now. Um, she was looking at the ceiling, and her eyes were real big, and she had this big smile. And I was like, what? You know, and I looked at her and I, I had to ask, I'm like, I'm like, what, I'm like, what are you seeing? <laughs> you know? And she's like, she goes, don't you see that angel? The angels are coming for me. Uh, I was like, I looked up again. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what? You know? And, but you know, for all purposes, she was seeing something, you know, and she really wasn't in a, she hadn't had a bunch of medications, you know, she was, had been pretty comfortable without them and, you know, and her, you know, their vital signs weren't real bad yet. So to me, looking at her it seemed like she was really seeing something and then the nurse came in the room at the same time she goes what's going on i said i said she's seeing angels and the nurse the nurse looked up too and we we're both kind of just like you know we we're a little bit puzzled and but she you know i i think she was seeing angels because then she yeah. passed away about two hours later wow. she passed away two hours later yeah i believe that mm -hmm. she did see them and yeah. i believe that that wind that little the energy that you feel in the room is the portal opening up from the other side taking over yeah. Um, and someone's coming to get them. Let me ask you, um, how does it work? So when they're ready to cross over, the brain lasts for how long after the heart stops? You know, generally you say, you know, the, the most it may last is like between like, you know, five and 10 minutes. But, you know, exponentially, the longer you're down, the more the less likely you are to get people back. So usually when we're doing CPR, if you don't have a pulse or good blood flow within like 10 minutes, most likely not going to get them back. That's not in every case because there's always yeah. there's always exclusions to that. But you know, usually five ten minutes without good blood supply, you know, you're gonna you're gonna probably have some brain damage and not get them back. Definitely, you know, though, definitely ten minutes if you don't have good blood flow, you're gonna be you know, you're not gonna probably survive that. But so. have there been cases? I'm not sure if the man from Ninety Minutes in Heaven. He was out for four. Wasn't he out for like forty minutes or something? There's been Don cases, Piper. Yeah, there's been cases where they've actually been out for like And then he said he, the angel was the one in the car. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure of that story, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, it kind of depends. It kind of depends. But yeah, yeah if, if, been if head you on. don't have any blood flow, if you don't have any blood flow for 40 minutes, so you're not going to probably survive that unless it, unless it's a miracle. I mean, usually you get five, five, six minutes in with no blood flow, your your brain's gonna probably be dead at that point. Although there are some recent studies that came out that they still had some brain activity like at ten minutes. Um, but the question is, you know, how? What does that mean? Is that is that gonna be functional brain? Is that gonna be?
brain activity that's going to allow you to function or is it just some residual stuff left? So, but then there's also reports people are, you know, down for 10 minutes and came back and didn't have any trouble. So it's kind of weird and strange. Yeah. The other thing too is the environment. If somebody's in a cold, super cold environment and they die temporarily, really cold temperatures will kind of, will kind of preserve you better than if you were, you know, if you drop dead in a desert or something. So, you know, yeah. so really cold temperatures, you could potentially do better if you resuscitated after a longer period of time. Okay. So. But there's been so many cases though, um, where they've actually been done for a really long time. What do you, what do you think about that? You don't think that's possible? I guess you'd have to decide if, you know, were they, all, were they dead all the way or did they have some, you know, detectable pulses? Cause yeah, you hear about people at least, you know, in the past they were declared dead and then they woke up in the morgue or something, you know? So, yeah. so it kind of depends how, you know, were they truly, I guess you got to figure out were they truly dead, dead. Yeah. We'll have some function that wasn't detected. Cause sometimes I'll be honest with you, I've had to declare people dead and sometimes it's hard to, it's hard to know. Like I had one person that we thought they had passed away and I did some, there's different things you do. Like you check their, see if they have any pupil reflexes and, you know, any rub their chest, you know, check for pause, check for heart rate. And this particular person, um, they didn't really have any reflexes, but I kept feeling their, their carotid pulse. And I'm like, I think I feel a pulse, <laughs> you know? So and then eventually I think there was a slight pulse, but it went away. But what I'm saying is, you know, you could potentially think somebody's dead. And, and if you don't do a good exam or don't look, they may still be in a low level of function. So, Oh God! That's, you know, I mean, there are always these miracle stories where people are like, you know, come back after a long period of time. I've heard about stuff. Like technically, that, without blood pumping to your brain, you know, for yeah. more than you know ten minutes or so, you're gonna the chance of coming back is pretty low. So, in the field that you're in, do you have any friends as well that are in the like work in the morgue? Part of things where they say, you know, what something I've experienced. Oh, good question. Not not so much people coming back alive. I mean, not alive, but know, like not alive. But like, like, people report spooky stuff, you know, like strange sounds and that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, kind of the ghostly stuff that we we think about. But I, I don't I don't know. That is probably more you know down the back in the past. I don't know anybody right now that works in the morgue at all. But a few people just say yeah, it's just spooky kind of noises and creepy feelings and things like that. So. Oh man. Imagine. It's definitely fascinating. Um, like I said, I'm a firm believer that this is, a, you know, there's all these cases and documentaries. This is just like a short window of experience on the journey. Mm -hmm. We think it's long, but it's not because we measure time different um, than the other side because the other side, right? There is no time. So I believe that this is just like that uh, waiting at a stop sign. That's how quick it is. Because when you hear about these near-death experiences, there's so many of them. They, say, they look back at the life reflection and say, it was so quick. Yeah. But that's this is just part of the life lesson. We go on. This is just a part of us, a fragment of us. you know. And it goes back to the paranormal investigations that we're trying to communicate, validate, and talk to those who've crossed over. Myself, um, loved ones come through dreams. And they look right. really good. That have right. crossed over. What about yourself? How's it like in dreams? Do you have anything? You know, um, not so much lately, but after my dad died, I had some weird dreams. Um, my dad died in 94. And like for the first probably like two or three years, I'd have weird dreams about him. Probably the one that really stands on my mind is um, I was having this weird dream and my dad was in there and it, it didn't make sense to me because in the dream, I realized he was dead. 
and or I and I realized he had died, and I couldn't figure out why he was alive again. And then something had happened to him in a dream, so I was trying to save him. Then all of a sudden, like you know, I was working on him in my dream, trying to save him, right? And then all of a sudden, he opens his eyes. He goes, he goes, he goes. You can't save me. He goes, but I'm okay. Don't worry about me. And I was like, it just really shocked me because like, you got all of a sudden his eyes popped open, right, in the in this dream. And he was, you know, I'm working on him on the ground. He's like, he goes, he goes, you can't save me, but I'm okay and don't worry about me. You know, I'm not uh, suffering anymore, kind of thing. And I was like, even now I'm thinking I get a little tear in my eye thinking about it. So mm -hmm. yeah, so but yeah, lately I haven't had any haven't had any like real spooky dreams. Although I'll be honest with you, I don't really lately I haven't been sleeping real well. I kind of wake up every couple of hours and stuff. So I don't get to dream too much. But yeah, I've had the other thing, you know, dream related and paranormal related is when I was younger, I used to have a lot of deja vu, you know, where mm -hmm. you know, you know, an event would happen and I'm like, holy cow, for a few seconds, I knew what was going to happen because I had drunk it in the past. Um, it doesn't happen so much now. It happened maybe a few months ago where I, you know, I had the sense that I knew it was going to happen for a few minutes or a few seconds because I had dreamt it in a dream. So, but yeah, when I was younger, I used to have all kinds of deja vu kind of things. It was kind of crazy. So deja vu. Yeah. Do you think um, because you're not sleeping well, do you think do you feel like things are waking you up maybe at night? I think I just uh, I gotta get better sleep habits. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know. But I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, it, the, the like I was telling you guys earlier, a few times I woke up because it felt like something smacked me in the head. You know. Yep. So I don't know. I don't know if is it could be some of it paranormal related or not. Um, but yeah. So crazy how that works. Now let's talk about like some of the locations maybe you yep. went to. You said Hinsdale. Um, what about another location? You know, did you feel something? I'm interested to hear, you know, you're a doctor. Did you feel something that another location was totally different? Maybe it was malevolent. Maybe, you know, it was oppressive. Yeah. You know, one of the things that stand on my mind, one of the first like real deal investigations I did with the team that I, I joined was up at uh, Hillview Manor in uh pennsylvania <laughs> and uh newcastle wow yeah 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 and uh um i i was there and went hillview manor one of the stories from the, one of the part of the building was on the third or top floor of the medical section there that a doctor had committed suicide and um i was up we were up on that floor up on that third floor with everybody and um we were having all kinds of like interesting stuff like you could hear footsteps down the hall we thought we saw a shadow activity in the one room and and then one of the guys actually thought he saw, briefly saw like a full body, like a full apparition of somebody standing at the door, but then it faded. But what, on, what, I, was, what I want to tell you is, um, when we were doing that investigation, all of a sudden, for no reason, we were during all this activity going on. I got this. Uh, I, I just felt like I had a cry. Like I was like, wow. I almost was. I almost had to walk out of the building because I felt like I was going to have this uncontrollable urge to cry. Yeah. For no reason. We're just doing our thing, right? And, you know, it turns out that it was a physician who had he committed suicide from that floor. He jumped out of the, off the floor there, uh, down to the ground and oh. died. So I don't know. You know, I don't know in that particular situation if I was picking up on, on that particular energy because I'm a physician. Yep. Or not. So, you know, and every now and then on different investigations, we'll bring up that I'm a doctor. And, and in fact, recently I was doing a place here in Virginia and um, they say they need help. This one place up in it's in Elkton, Virginia. It was a Civil War museum or Civil War hospital. Place was built like in 1840s, but and it was um, 
Stonewall Jackson had his troops there and there was wounded soldiers there. And both times we've been there, you'll hear, you know, if you're doing a spirit box, you'll hear doc, help, I'm sick. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the fact that no physician will, will trigger yeah. more actions, you know, that people that need help. And then, so yeah, yeah. So sometimes, you know, you can use it to my advantage, like, hey, I'm a doctor. And yeah. there's been also been places, um, um, well, even that place I was just telling you in Elkton, the, the original house was built by a Dr. Jennings. And sometimes I get a back and forth with, if it was a physician to physician, we'll get some interaction. Like in Virginia, there's this um, new market battlefield. Um, you're not, you know, it's not an official place to investigate, but we kind of sneak equipment in there. <laughs> you know, we do a tour, we do a historical <laughs> tour and then we kind of happen to investigate. And, and the, within that house, there's a surgeon that seems to, every time I'm there, we seem to get activity when we start talking about that surgeon and the fact that I'm a doctor and I talked to them about, you know, nowadays with the technology we have, a lot of the civil war folks wouldn't have died, you know, because we have mm -hmm. antibiotics, we have better surgical, like so many of those soldiers would have lived. So sometimes you get like a little back and forth with the equipment and maybe some EVPs, you know, and that yeah. kind of stuff. So yeah, it seems like, you know, as a physician that sometimes I can use that to kind of stimulate or get act get act, you know, activity and things like that, especially if it's like a medically related place. Yeah. Well, that, wow. that makes sense. Has there any, has there been a place that like scared you? Have you ever like, like really got scared on an investigation? You know, I'm trying to think, you know, Hillview, that Hillview Manor, man. Yeah. I think, you know, it was, I think sometimes it's a darkness. Like some people I ask, like, aren't you afraid of ghosts, son? And I'm like, well, it's not so much I'm afraid of the ghosts, but sometimes you got to handle your fear of the dark. I don't know how, if you guys feel that way. Yeah. Well, when you manor in the in the in the bottom floor, like in this boiler room area, it was the blackest black I think I've ever been in because there was no windows, no light coming in. It was just, just dark, you know. And I was like, I was fighting that fear, and I was a new investigator too, you know. So, yeah. so I was like, just fighting that fear scary. of the dark. Yeah, yeah. And we were having activity, right? We you know had all kinds of activity that evening, so it was like. You know, besides, you know, between the ghosts and the darkness and my first investigation, it was, you know. Well, we're only human, you know. I mean, he yeah. he makes, he's made fun of me many times about getting scared. But listen, well, I make fun of myself. I mean, you know, it, sometimes <laughs> it can be really scary. Well, you don't know what you're walking and, into. And you're right. Yeah. In the pitch blackness, that's, I don't, yeah. That's I think the scariest yeah. thing in paranormal investigating is not having control over yourself. Yes. Because right. it can take you over. And I've seen that many, many of times. Yes. And wow. that is very scary. Yeah. Um, where yeah. people have no control over their emotions and what they're going to do. And do you think they that's actually, why research should be done. Do you think they actually get, are getting possessed? Or do you think it's well, their fear kind of getting out of hand? Right. Uh, right before the possession stage, most definitely I've seen that. And um, I've tried to debunk it. And I would touch them. They're cold as ice. Their eyes turn dark. Well, yeah, we, we've seen like the most nicest I, people yeah. actually just turn evil, evil, like and cold, and just like a like that. Right? And that's yeah. why I, I believe that it should be more. It should be more respected the field and and more research done because this is real. This does happen. Yeah, and it's as if when when you do an investigation, you're walk, walking into that moment of time mm -hmm. when that spirit was there and you're in their time zone, for example, yeah, and they're showing you yeah. and, you're yeah. it. and especially if they and, died in a terrible and, way. And somehow it's, it's also like the movie. It's a wonderful life with Jimmy Stewart. He, 
he says, I wish I wasn't born. And then the, his, the angels taking him around and he's looking at the wife moved on and, and then they can't see him and they don't know who he is. Right. It's kind of like that other side. Um, you're walking into that time, yeah. that dimension yeah. without realizing it. And, you know, from doing this so long, um, and then you have, you also have the, um, the part where the spirit can oppress a person, you know, it doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes just a regular investigation where you're, you're mm -hmm. feeling the emotions. Like you said, you had tears in your eyes mm -hmm. and the doctor took his life. Yeah. He was leaving that behind as you're walking into that, that time that he was in yeah. and how yeah. he felt and what he was going through. Have you ever been to St. Albans? Oh yeah. Yeah. That place is active. Yeah. Holy cow. <laughs> that place. I didn't yeah. Know it's that. like, you know, that place is just consistently active. I've been there a bunch of times and, you know, every time I go, every, I'm always, when I leave the place, I'm always skeptical. Like, oh, that stuff just happened. You know, and, you know, I go back in thinking like, ah, nothing's going to happen this time. Right. Yeah. It just always happens there, you know. <laughs> but what did you have? A, what kind of experience did you have? You guys have in, in the bird cage, where they call it the bird cage. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I've had um, uh, a kid, a child. He was telling me how the doctor put him to sleep in that building. Oh wow! Um, and what the oh, doctor man. looked like. And I remember back years ago, we looked him up, and that was the doctor. And um. I think from my, my experience is that they're bringing you into that time zone of, of what happened to them and you're yeah. feeling it. And yeah, St. Albans is one of those places too that it's not so much, it's not so much that it's, it scares you to want no. to leave, but it does, it yeah. does. I mean, there is like a, there is like a heavy spooky feeling that yeah. makes you kind of uneasy. I don't know if it's so much fright, but it's just yeah. uneasy. Like it's uncomfortable, yeah. you know, certain parts of that place, even if, you know, even if you try to, Tell yourself is you know that this is you know you should you know that it's not. If you try to convince yourself you're not really feeling that, there's this place part of it or parts are just uncomfortable. Yeah, you know, and then he's I don't know if you guys got that same experience or not. Yeah. Well, the bowling alley, yes. Yeah, yeah. The bowling alley and where they had the chair um, that they put the, they would lock the kids in the chair or the adults in oh, the chair that no. you know and yeah um, yeah I, I felt it in those areas and. Not that it's scary, but if you feel the, you feel emotion, the emotion behind yeah. what that person yeah. went through. And I think that's what the spirits are trying to say. Um, this yeah. is what they went through. Not that the spirits stay there all the time. You know, there's another question mark in paranormal investigating, right? And near-death experiences is what people that cross over come back. We talk about the other side. People who do investigations talk about um, that person being there at that time. And then we say, well, is it because that person is held there and they never leave? And that's not true. I think what's happening is we're walking into that other dimension of their residual energy, of what they went through and how they left. Because I don't believe any spirit is stuck in a certain location because of free will. And because of their death experiences, they say, hey, we went. We know there's a heavenly-like earth. We know we've went there. So when you try to make the two meet, sometimes it doesn't yeah. meet. So then you try to become, okay, let me try to understand how this unless actually they're, works. Unless they're, they don't know they're dead. I mean, there's always, you know, there could be Well, there's cases, stories like that, too. There could be cases like that. But I kind of, um, I kind of agree with Philip that I'm not sure I buy into something being stuck either, unless there's some kind of residual energy there that's not, yeah. not interactive. But 
I think I think they may choose to stay in a particular place, and then people think they're stuck. But because I know there, I mean, I know there's certain locations you go to, and, and the bed, you know, the bedroom on the second floor always has activity or whatever, um, and you, you always think of the same activity. But to me, it, it doesn't make sense that they're stuck in one area unless they want to be, because it seems like they would still have free will unless yeah. it's residual. But but yeah, then I don't know. There's this whole idea too about you know, is there an oppressive spirit like? You know, like, I don't know if you guys have watched Dead Files, you know, the idea that there's like a, a, a spirit that keeps all the other spirits in check. And I don't know if that's some of that's going on in some of these places or what's, you know, what the deal is. But um, so, yeah, it opens up a wide variety of questions. You like have you have shapeshifters and people and things uh -huh. that hold, you know, and then, there's just so many questions to that. Um, and and there's not enough with, answers. Yeah, it leaves but... <laughs> you with more questions and more questions, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's definitely fascinating. And and to the listener out there, um, get into paranormal, learn about it. And um, whether you be believe or you don't more, believe, yeah, be more open uh, we all have experiences. We all have. We just have to look for the signs of loved ones that have crossed over. Mm -hmm. Um you know, there's just so many signs and sometimes they can be very helpful. There's a lot of uh, information out there where spirits actually help the living yeah. through um, yeah. making them be late for work when something was going to happen. For, you yeah. know, there's so many little stories. Yeah. So respect the other side as if, you you know, that's your best friend. You don't, yeah. you don't know. They might be trying to tell you something. Have, a, have an open mind. Yes. Yeah, hey, uh, this has been a quick show. Where can people find you and all that good stuff? So uh, <laughs> right now, I mean, I'm like a transition phase right now, but uh, I have I a YouTube. You. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I got, so I definitely have Don Molnar, Haunted MD YouTube. And then, um, you know, I did have Facebook and Instagram, which I took a little break, but I'm going to probably get back on those here soon. And then I, I got a website I want to build. I'm going to build to um, probably Haunted MD. Um, but I, I'm still working on that kind of thing too. But right now I'm definitely on uh, YouTube. And then um, I had a, I had a haunted MD on Facebook and then I had haunted MD on um, Instagram, which I'll probably get those back up, back up. So yeah. Every once in a while we need a break, right? From yeah, I put yeah. some of the evidence that you have on TikTok because um, it, it creates, it's a big audience on TikTok, as we all know, it's the biggest platform out there right now, you know, I thought um, about that. Is, you know but putting evidence out there, that's what people are starting to do now, and yeah. it's um, it's got a bigger audience. It helps out. How does how does it work? I mean, TikTok is it just you just post videos, or it's like you take a video or you 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 get your evidence and you you um, put it onto that site. It's it's very simple. Is it a and limit to how big the video? It's an app, um, but it, it, there's a lot of people doing it now, paranormal yeah. as well, and you know. It helps, and you put whether it's a minute or two minute or three minute clips. It gets more views mm -hmm. and more people seeing what's going on and learning about yourself. And um, that is the biggest platform. I've thought about it because I've had some other people tell me too. And then I, in fact, the other day it's funny you mentioned that because um, I, I had I got a new cell phone, and the cell phone it keeps it keeps alerting me that don't forget about TikTok, <laughs> don't forget about TikTok, you know. <laughs> You type in near-death experiences, a wide variety opens up on there. Yeah. A wide variety, huge audience of people and uh, shows and experiences. It's fascinating. But this has been a great show. We really want to thank you. We'd love to have you on for a second part. We Absolutely. didn't get to some of the questions. 
um, that we wanted to. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad to come back on. Yeah, I got a lot of cool other experiences, and I'm glad to come back on again. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. We really yeah. appreciate it. You've been a fantastic guest. Thank well, you so much. Thank you. Well, thanks for, so thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Most definitely. And we just want to say a special thank you to Carnation for fully sponsoring the show. Thank you so much. And join us next Monday, same time, 105.3 FM from New Orleans. And stay tuned for The Missing Piece with Trish Moe. Everyone, have a great night. Please share this show. There's a lot of knowledge in it. Um, this is a very well-respected doctor, and uh, there's good information in this show. So please share it with your colleagues, and yes. we'll see you next week. Thank, Thank you. you. Have a great night. Thanks.